We've all been bruised, hurt, burned in life. We've all been to places where we have doubts and questions. How do you fireproof your life so that you can have hope in the storms? I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you, and as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. This is Bill Scott, along with Dr. Tim Clinton. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. You know, there's those storms that come. Nobody is the exception to that fact, Dr. Tim. Boy, if you need encouragement, maybe a little hope today. You want to build a faith that survives those flames when the heat's on, Bill? You want to turn the radio up. Our special guest today, he's a real encourager. Senior Pastor Michael Catt is with us. He's the pastor of Sherwood Baptist Church author of several books, including Upgrade, Courageous Living, Courageous Teens, as well as The Power of Deception, The Power of Persistence, The Power of Surrender. He's also the executive producer of some of the films you've seen as of late, like Facing the Giants. Love that film. Courageous, Fireproof, and more. It is our privilege to have him on the show today talking about how we fireproof ourselves. Michael, thanks for stopping by Life, Love, and Family. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Michael, did you have any idea what God was going to do in and through your life, Sherwood Baptist, and all these ministries, these opportunities that God's let you be a part of? (laughs) Not at all. I grew up in Mississippi, and I remember my pastor saying to me when I surrendered to ministry, he didn't think I would ever amount to much. (laughs) No way. No kidding. You know, he had the ministry of discouragement, and so, so. <laughs> I've met a few of those in my life, Michael. Hey, man, they're everywhere. They breed. They're joy suckers. <laughs> That's right. Michael, you have a new workout. The story of those tall sequoia trees is at the heart of it. My friend uh, Ken Jenkins, who's a, a photographer and a speaker, great believer in the Lord, introduced me to understanding the sequoias. They never stop growing until they die. When they fall, they nourish the forest around them. So even in their death, they're still contributing uh, something to the forest around them. They are—they uh, have shallow roots that are all connected. And so there's a networking among those sequoia trees. There's one particular kind of bee that tries to attack the sequoia. And in fire and in those attacks, the sequoia actually hardens. It stiffens against the attack. It's 
very nature is to survive the sting and to survive the fire. And I just thought, what an illustration of how we should be as believers. You know, what I thought was fascinating was they have like this natural fire retardant. Yes, it's amazing. And somebody that says that all this just happened with a big bang uh, hasn't really studied nature very well because God has built into everything something to teach us about himself. In that, I guess, maybe we could talk about cultivating or developing a shield in our own life that would help us press through these storms because, boy, they rage in our life. And we get to a place where we get confused about God and we get overwhelmed by those issues. And before long, it's like we just stop, almost stop showing up. Right. We're doing a Family Matters conference uh, right now. I had a friend of mine, Dr. Charles Lowry, who did uh, two Sundays, and then I've been doing the rest. I ask people to turn in prayer requests. You know, what's the one thing in your family that if God broke through and did it, that would change your life? It would change your family. It would make this year a great year. And we had, I would say, twelve to 1,300 prayer cards put at the altar that Sunday morning. And it was serious stuff. My favorite one was a little boy said, would you please tell my big brother to quit hitting me? (laughs) (laughs) I think, boy, I wish my problems were that simple. (laughs) But, I mean, people dealing with husbands that were unfaithful and not saved and children that were prodigals, and it was gut-wrenching to read through those cards. Michael, when there's no money, when your marriage is in trouble, when the kids, things aren't going well with them, you're discouraged uh, about your life, maybe your job, your future. In those moments, what do you think God really wants from us? What does he expect from us? One of the things is we don't need to forget in that time that God loves us. Loving God and being loved by God does not make us immune from problems and from crisis. I mean, you can read the Bible and know that. The song that you played from Casting Crowns, I'll Praise You in the Storm, That's hard to do, but that's an act of the will. That's a choice in my mind that I will not let my feelings overrun my faith. And I'm going to praise God, even if it's disastrous, I'm going to praise God because I know he cares about what's going on with me. And so in the midst of that, I hold on, but it seems like my strength isn't enough. And so where do I draw the strength to go forward right now? Obviously, the Holy Spirit is inside of us who is a comforter, but I think the body of Christ, when I'm doing funerals or when I'm visiting people in the hospital in crisis situations, I mean, the one thing that comes up repeatedly is I don't know what I would do without my church family. I don't know how I would make this without the prayers of the saints. Paul talked about the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the prayers of the saints, and he mentioned both in the same verse, and he put the prayers of the saints first. And one of the reasons I think people struggle to an extent maybe they shouldn't is pride won't let them say, I'm hurting, I'm in need, I need help, I'm at the end of my rope, because they feel like that will make them sound unspiritual. We talked before the broadcast about Ron Dunn, whose son took his life, and Ron suffered with depression, and yet he walked in victory and lived a life that I could not have imagined anyone could live, knowing what he had been through. He wrote a book called When Heaven is Silent, and when it is, you still have to trust God. 
Now, I think about Job. I mean, if I had friends like Job, I would want to just go jump off a cliff somewhere. They were not the kind of friends you want. And God never told Job the reason. He never got an explanation. We don't live by explanations. We live by promises. And I think that's what we have to hang on to, is the promises. As you've scoured the pages of Scripture, and obviously as a pastor you've done a lot of ministry, I think this question goes without saying, but it's important to hear it over and over again, the answer of it, and that is, do you really believe God's heart is toward us all the time? We hear messages that uh, God loves us as dear children, that he's there for us. How do we embrace that, Michael? Um, And I'll refer back to Ron again. He preached here at Sherwood 13 years in a row, and I remember one Monday night or Tuesday night, he preached on Romans eight twenty eight. Some people didn't know his story, and a guy came up to him after the service and said, I don't know how you can believe that. And Ron said, I believe it. And the guy said, well, my wife has left me. My kids are not serving the Lord. You know, I can't keep a decent job. And he went on and on with stuff. And Ron put his hand on his shoulder. He said, brother, my son killed himself, and I still believe Romans eight twenty eight. I think it's whether you're going to decide to believe your circumstances or you're going to believe what God says. And uh, that's a hard jump for some people because in this world in which we live, everything's about how you feel. You know, I want to feel good. I want people to make me feel good. And that's just not realistic. It's just not a real world. You have to get up and go to work whether you feel like it or not. You have to pray when you don't feel like it. You have to believe God when you don't feel like it. I think we've made the faith so shallow by trying to meet felt needs that we haven't addressed the real needs, and that is walking with God in daily obedience and daily dying to self. We interviewed uh, Johnny Erickson Tata not long ago. She talked about what it was like to live her life every day. We recently had Jeremy Camp on. He talked about the loss of his his first wife. He said within a couple of weeks, God just basically spoke to his heart, and he wrote that song, I Still Believe. Do you think there are times when God weeps with us, that he just travails with us because of the brokenness of this world? I think so. I think that's the groanings of the Holy Spirit that cannot be explained. I'll give you a recent example. 21 years ago, I'm 60, and 21 years ago I found out I was adopted. We've chased that rabbit for a while. I've dealt with every emotion from anger to disappointment to confusion. This past week, we got a phone call. We've never known anything about my birth mom. This past Thursday, we got a phone call from a lady, and she said, I just needed to tell you that your birth mom died. I know her first name. The toughest thing for me was she lived an hour and a half from Albany, and I didn't even know it. But she knew everything about me. She knew everything I'd done. She knew the people that had adopted me. She knew where I had lived all my life. She knew about my family, my ministry. But I knew nothing about her. So Sunday morning, I preached a message on unrealistic expectations and how sometimes in life and with our families, we have unrealistic expectations that we have to take to the cross, and we have to die to those things. The conclusion I came to, because I knew God understood the hurt that I was going through, God may not be able to trust me with all the answers right now, 
Maybe my faith is not enough. Maybe my tenacity is not enough. Maybe God just can't trust me with all the answers to my questions right now. And it may be I don't get those questions answered until I get to glory. But I live by faith and not by answers. That's tough because there are some things I would have liked to have done. I wasn't trying to build a relationship with her or get in the family will, whatever that was, or anything like that. But I really just wanted to say to a lady, thank you for not aborting me, and thank you for placing me in a Christian home. And I just didn't want her to die with the guilt and the shame of that if she did. It's a broken world, and there's a lot of pain out there. I think Paul said he doesn't save us from those storms, but he'll reach in and save us in the midst of them. Give us the grace we need to go on. You're listening to Life, Love, and Family. Today, Pastor Cat is with us, and he's the executive producer of a lot of the films that you've watched, like Fireproof, Courageous, Facing the Giants, and a number of books. And we're just having an encouraging conversation. Michael, when I was a boy, I went off to summer camp, and it was a Bible camp. And while we were there, I remember one of the early morning devotions was, well, actually, I think it was the very first one, Bill. It was on James chapter 1, and we had to learn about that verse, count it all joy when you fall into trials and tribulations in your life. Here I am, a boy, I think I was 13, 14 years old, and I'm saying to myself, what in the world are we doing learning a verse like that? Seriously. I still hate that chapter and that verse right there. And it was like, come on. I don't want problems. I don't want to face any of this stuff. As a matter of fact, I've spent a lot of my life, Michael, honestly, begging God, saying, Lord, I usually have to learn the hard way. Can you help me preempt some of this? Lord, I don't want to go through the fire. God, don't teach me this way in the pain, and I know it's God's megaphone, and I know it's the, quote, gift that nobody wants, like Philip Yancey said, but Michael, help us. Is there something we can do? And I probably want to go back to Psalm chapter 1, where I saw you camped out for a little bit, and can you just teach us about the necessary steps to help preempt maybe some of the pain? Help us put something around us so we can walk through this pain in a different way. I think the Psalms are worn out for a reason. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is where God speaks to us. It is where God works in our hearts. And I don't know how many times that I have turned into the Psalms when I didn't know what else to do. I don't know any sermons that I get more comments from than when I'm preaching out of the Psalms. The one thing about the Psalms, is Psalm 1 that you mentioned, is that one of the keys to be able to stand and be like a tree planted by streams of water and yielding fruit is to be saturated with the Word, that the Word of God gets in us through the Holy Spirit and nourishes us. We can read a lot of books and forget to read the one book. The thing I love about the Bible is the author is in the room with you. And he knows how to personalize that word to our hearts. That's a good word. I like that. You always have this audience of one. Yeah. yeah. And the Holy Spirit is bringing the word alive to us in those moments. Yes. The Spirit of God that breathed those words into the psalmist's heart before he wrote them down and into the prophets and into Paul, that same Holy Spirit is inside of us and the spirit of the word and the written word can work together in our hearts 
to do that which no other word or pat on the back or note will do. Not that those aren't important. I mean, we need those. I think it's the one thing the family of God doesn't do well is it doesn't encourage well. And this is what you hear. I don't know what to say. Well, you don't have to say anything. Just go up and hug them and say, I love you. But we almost treat people with problems like, ooh, if I get around them, I may have problems. Maybe it's contagious. Rather than embracing somebody and saying, hey, I'll walk through this with you. A friend of mine says this. He said, a friend is the person that walks in the room with you when everybody else is walking out. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will deliver me up. Elohim, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we won't fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the depths of the sea, he's in the midst of it, Selah. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mm. When you start thinking about it, you are right, especially in times of crisis or trial. Uh, we do this proximity seeking. We, we are reaching out and saying, God, are you there? We're trying to touch him. And we're reminding ourselves often by quoting scripture that he is what? He's there. He's faithful. And what does the washing of the Word do to us, Michael? There's a cleansing element. We talk about the blood that cleanses, but the water is also a picture of cleansing, and it's also a picture of the Spirit of God. And I think we get real dirty in this world, and we pick up stuff, and we watch somebody on television, on a talk show, tell us how to make our marriages and our families work, and they're on their fifth marriage. And we need to wash ourselves of that, you know, because their words are not wise. The words of Scripture are wisdom. So a love for the Word or His law, and then a love for the Lord. There's a danger in modern-day Christianity to tip the scale over into religion, to religious behavior. Michael, you know that. You've seen it. We've all seen it. If there's anything that we all hate— It's that very thing. Jesus hated the Pharisees, who were extremely religious. They did everything right. Yeah, well, religious moralism is probably the reason why the church is not being effective today, because we've confused being conservative politically with being saved, and that doesn't have anything to do with the other. The Pharisees, I mean, good grief, they weren't content with God's laws. They had to add thousands of their own so they could prove they were spiritual, which totally removes you from operating in the realm of grace and love and forgiveness, and it makes you the standard of somebody's behavior instead of God's Word the standard of somebody's behavior. Legalism can just choke people's lives off because they'll say, I can't live up to that rule. I can't. Well, you never were supposed to. The Scripture says that the Lord loves righteousness. We wrestle with that very thing, and we don't know how to approach God. Michael, can you help us understand what a love for the Lord really looks like? What is at the heart of that? I think the Lordship issue is a love for the Lord issue. I think it was Gypsy Smith, the old revivalist, who said, draw a circle around yourself with a piece of chalk and say, everybody within this circle needs revival. And revival is really a return to lordship. It's a return to Jesus is on the throne of my heart. He's on the throne of my life. He's not having anybody jockey for position. There's not a battle going on here for who's going to rule and reign in my heart. Jesus talked about taking up a cross. He talked about dying to self. The only way I can do that is if I love the Lord. If I'm consumed with me, 
and with my benefits and what's best for me, then I'm going to always try to play a negotiation game with the Lord. I did youth ministry back in the dark ages when I was younger. <laughs> I used to tell kids, you keep asking me the wrong questions. I said, do you ask me, can I do this and still be a Christian? And I tell them, I said, what you're really asking me is, is how much like hell can I be and still go to heaven? I said, if you love God, the question is not, can I still do this and be a Christian? The question is, what do I need to be doing to show my love for God, just like I do things to show my love for my wife, and I do things to show my love for my daughters. There are actions that I do. There are responses that I make to show and indicate that I love them. And it's not just at church on Sunday. It's week in and week out, day in and day out. Your ministry at Sherwood, how it's branched out, and you've touched all of us in ways as executive producer over Facing the Giants, Fireproof, Courageous, and so much more. You told us the story about being adopted and your birth mom dying recently. As you think about life and everything, what just burns inside of you? What just dies to get out? Tim, over the next five, ten years, this is what I'm going to give myself to. Well, we started a conference ten years ago called Refresh, which is uh, primarily uh, targeted at pastors and staff members and key lay leaders that want revival, that want to understand uh, walking in the Spirit, walking in power, and and want to see God do a work in their church. And so this is our tenth year to do it. We. Uh, we're right now we're doing three a year. Uh, this year we've got one in Missouri, one in Tennessee, and one here in Albany. And I, I think that's what drives me, to try to encourage pastors to stay in the battle, don't give up. Uh, we have guys that come to that conference. And I describe them as guys rolling in on four flat tires, and we're just trying to get some air in those tires and, and get them back into the battle.
from Pastor Michael Kett. I love it. Fireproofing your life. A strong biblical message on how you can make it through the flames because perhaps you are leaning in going, Dr. Tim, Bill, I so needed this message today because I'm up to here in fire. I mean, I'm really walking through the flames right now. Bill, he promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You know what else? I believe he's carrying us. Mm. I loved that piece on the very fact that he weeps with us even in those storms. Is he going to see us through? Absolutely. This too will pass. Now, how do you go on right now? You look up. You cling to him with everything you got. You believe him, Bill. If you can do that, you can face your tomorrow. We would like to take that first step with you. I know things are tough right now. You've got a friend, life, love, and family. On our website, we've got a fact sheet. It's free. You can give it away. You can read it. You can download it. It's just how to fireproof your life. What are some of the steps that you can take? And we always make this fact sheet available every single day. Bill, again, this is about what do I need to do to get some fire retardant in my life? (laughs) How do I keep the flames from torching me, getting too close to my heart, my soul? This fact sheet is going to encourage you, I promise you. It's available, our gift to you. If you just go to our website, lifeloveandfamily.net, you're going to find it. I'll give that to you again. It's lifeloveandfamily.net. While you're there, a lot of different resources available on many different topics. You're able to listen to any of the programs. Maybe perhaps today you didn't catch the entire program. It's sitting there at the website along with everything we've done. LifeLoveAndFamily.net. We have Facebook and Twitter. We love to interact with you, hear from you. Dr. Tim, you've got that weekly devotional that goes out to anybody who wants it free of charge. And it's just that shot in the arm, the hope, the encouragement to keep on keeping on. The focus is on your personal faith walk. It's about your loving relationships, and it's about building strong families, Bill. Once a week, we're just trying to pour some strong word of truth into your life. We have so much available at our website. We believe in you and your family and the walk that you're walking out. We know that life can really be hard at times and you just need somebody to come alongside of you and go, you know what? You can make it. Life, love, and family. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Jantz from Life, Love, and Family, and I want to ask you a question. Are you or a loved one struggling with some major personal issues? Is it a marriage or a relationship that's just falling apart? Are you depressed? I mean really depressed, where you can't seem to find any hope. Are you struggling with addiction, perhaps alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling? I'm here today to tell you there is hope. Literally, a special place called A Place of Hope. I founded A Place of Hope 30 years ago, and I can tell you there's world-class staff that works directly with you to heal the whole person, to get back and bring back that person that you want to be, the person that God has called you to be. If I'm speaking to you right now, please call A Place of Hope. It'll be the best life-changing call that you'll ever make. Call 888-716-3392 or visit us at aplaceofhope.com. 
America's number one Christian residential treatment program, Honey Lake Clinic, specializing in addiction, depression, anxiety, bipolar, PTSD, staffed by nationally recognized psychiatrists and psychologists, a team of MDs and 24-hour nursing care, a 600-acre scenic sanctuary of unmatched beauty, Honey Lake Clinic. Most insurance accepted, scholarships available. Phone 844-747-7772. Online, honeylake.clinic.